I know we have OK Boomer. Can it be OK Grumpy Gen X guy? Because so, that's what I am. I just learned this the other day. Yeah. They're called Karen. That's the OK Boomer for Gen Karen? X. Karen? Yeah. Who the, the Karen generation. Karen? Yeah. Who, who's oh, Karen? It's, it's just like a generic Gen X name, I think. Yeah, this is going <laughs> to result in some kind of intergenerational violence. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Human Element, Kara's podcast on modern marketing. I'm joined by Haley Poss, who's been here five times, six times? Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to pick one in particular. Frequent Frequent. contributor. Mm -hmm. And Kara Lazarus, a first-timer. She's our SVP, head of investment in Kara. Haley, again, head of strategy. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks. So let's jump in. You guys have been doing some trend work, yes? Thinking a little bit about the media landscape? We do this project every year, Annual Media Landscape. We've been doing it for over 10 years, so it's a bit of a legacy project that Mm. we do. The team really enjoys putting it together. And it's been fun because... I can tell you a lot's changed versus 10 years ago, and every year it just gets more and more wild west on us. So creates a lot of great content that we're able to share with our clients and within the agency just to keep people up to speed. And what's the point of it? Like, what is the sort of root thought behind doing it? Education. Because there is so much change in the industry. It's not only to think about what's been trending over time, where are projections in the future, but also who's doing work best in class in these different spaces as the evolution continues to happen within media. And Carol, how do you guys partner together to to do this work? Well, we definitely feed into a lot of the work that gets done, feeding into the larger strategies. Even more so, we use the trends to help guide all the planning and activations that we do across channels. So it's used throughout, probably starting as from the minute it comes out, it'll help guide all of our planning throughout the next fiscal. Which is interesting. So it's not an academic exercise. Absolutely not. Which is super cool, right? I mean, if you were to try to convince people to pay attention to what we're about to say, that's something we should say. We try to make it as practical (laughs) as humanly possible. But yeah, it's meant to be super actionable. I coach the teams to make sure that there's a so what at the end of everything. It's not just a presentation full of data points. It really should be inspiring, educational, and actionable. Did we revisit what we said last year and see if we said anything that was right or wrong? The one thing that I think we were really spot on about was audio and the continued explosion within the audio space. People continue to spend more time listening to audio, having audio in their homes via smart speakers, listening in car. Digital audio continues to grow in popularity. Podcasting has continued to to grow, which is something we highlighted a few years back as a huge opportunity. It's almost doubled in size. So that's something that we were really spot on. The one thing I would say, looking back that I think we were a little early on, was the importance of 5G. I remember (laughs) sitting back in this chair this time last year, having this conversation about the 2019 landscape. We mentioned like, oh, yeah, in 2020, 5G is going to be a thing. Brands need to think about it. And I would say, nope, we're still a little bit off on that. We're still at the 5G-E or fake 5G stage. Fake 5G is still a thing. From an investment perspective, what are the implications for audio? Is it still, well, let me not lead the witness. I have this hunch (laughs) that it's wildly underinvested. Is that true? Yes, I think that is true. It is underinvested, but I think we still need to find the right ways to activate in the space. And I think we haven't 
totally figured that out yet. There's a lot of work being done, at least on the team I work on. There's tons of work being done trying to understand those best ways to activate. And it's no different. It's just new space. You know, there's a lot of players there, but I think we need to figure out who the right players are. What have been some of the hurdles? We actually ran a survey to understand that as a part of this year's audio landscape. Yep. So we do the the total overarching media landscape for 2020, which is focused more on the cultural things that are happening next year because yep. it's going to be such a shit show in 2020. <laughs> we broke it out into six different sections, one of them being audio because it continues to be such an important part of where people are spending their time, frankly. And we asked all of the planning community here at CARA, what was the biggest challenge to having their clients invest more within audio because we do see that they're underinvesting in it. And a lot of it is actually around how does it contribute to reach? So I think clients are still wed to video and they feel very comfortable creating assets in the video space. Then the other one is measurement. There's still not a lot of MRC accreditation within the audio space. And so clients that really want that, you know, hardcore measurement plan that's super valid and validated, there's a little bit of discomfort there. I would just add it's also difficult to manage frequency. Yeah. So if you listen to a podcast, you'll typically hear the same messages over and over again. And that's been something that has been a struggle. And how does that get solved? Because that, to me, seems like a real hurdle. Yeah, it's definitely something that the industry is starting to band together to work on. Yeah. All right, so talk to me about the shit show of 2020. Yeah, it's interesting because normally when I do my overview for the upcoming year, it's really focused on big changes within media. And 2020 is actually big changes within what's going to be happening in culture and what people are going to be talking about. So you have the elections, your favorite topic. (laughs) where we're already seeing unprecedented spending and it's anticipated that there's going to be at least two times as much spend next year versus the previous presidential election. If we could just get a few more billionaires, maybe we could get that to go up. Maybe we can. You know, there's still time. And then we also have the Olympics, which I feel like there's actually like a little bit more excitement around the Olympics this year. Hmm. I feel like with Rio, it was a little bit... Well, some of it's the timing. Mm -hmm. It's going to fall right in between the presidential debates and the election. And so I think there's a general feeling in this country that we need to unify as a country and the Olympics allows us to do that. Yeah, some positivity. Um, Yeah. So outside of media. So the Olympics will save us. Is that what you're saying? The Olympics will save us in 2020. (laughs) Well, it it is something something that it's positive. positive. People can, can band together and hopefully we'll create some uplifting news that we'll probably all need this time next year. The other thing that's going on with the Olympics is that it's in Tokyo, which, Mm. cool. It's a cool country. It's been trendy for a while now. Uh, Japan, that is not Tokyo, clearly. Tokyo is a city, not a country. And there's new sports. There's, I think, five new sports, things like skateboarding, rock climbing, surfing. Softball's back. Softball's back, baseball's back. So there's some new sports that should be interesting. Also, Intel is sponsoring in affiliation with the Olympics, the first ever gaming competition yes. with Rocket League and as Street Fighter 5 as a trial run, yep, for the next Olympics after this. So I think there's enough new stuff going on too that people are interested in. I think this will be my last Olympics because when we get to the point where we have people playing digital games, I'm Robert's out. It's going to boycott. I'm out. Yep. I'm totally out. <laughs> so besides the Olympics and the election, I mean, and those are two massive, massive things. What else do we have cooking? Streaming wars. Streaming wars. Yes. I love oh, this one. One of our favorite topics. Yep. 
This one's really interesting, just layering it onto everything else, because brands, they're competing with Baby Yoda for attention. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. That is hard to do. Yes, so nestled in between the president and Baby Yoda is where brands are. Is where brands live, yeah. Good luck. Mm -hmm. We're going to see more fragmentation, more people experimenting, more people signing up dropping things, picking them back up just to watch specific seasons of new content. So I think next year will be a year of experimentation within the streaming wars as people, you know, shift around what is most interesting to them. And it hasn't even started yet. So we've only seen the launch of Disney+, Plus, ESPN+. Plus. We haven't even seen Comcast's foray into the space with Peacock. We have Quibi coming. Yep. HBO Max hasn't launched yet. So I think there's a big question as to what will ultimately lead to subscription fatigue. We saw Disney Plus launch with 10 million users within 24 or 48 hours. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest question will be how long can that sustain itself Mm -hmm. when we see things like a Quibi come out and pull some of those millennials away if it's successful. When we see Peacock, you know, I think that Haley has a point that are people just reaching for content? Will they stop watching Netflix? If you listen to Wall Street, the answer is no. Netflix will continue to Mm. survive. Amazon Prime I see as less of a player, more so because I don't think that's why they're in that space. They're in that space to drive subscriptions to their Amazon Prime model, and they're very outward about saying that. I think only time will tell, and I don't really think any of us have the answer. I think some of the out-of-pocket is going to become a lot for consumers. But what we do know is that the traditional model is soon to be dead very quickly. (laughs) So two quick follow-ups there. The first is, what do you make of Apple TV Plus and that strategy? Because that one to me has, has always been different. And then the second thing is, at what point do you think we'll start looking for some kind of re-aggregation. Apple TV Plus, I don't see them driving significant scale anytime soon. I just, I don't see how they can do it. I've watched quite a few of their pieces that have come out. And I think, you know, again, they want people to buy their product. They're in it for a very different reason than a Comcast or a Disney. I don't know who's subscribing there for the one Jennifer Aniston show. You know, As someone it, who's watched half of the morning show, it is a car crash that I can't stop it's watching. It's basically the Matt it's Lauer show, from what I understand. Yeah, it is, yeah but it's, right? it's very, it's just a mess. You can tell they rewrote it and half rewrote it and changed showrunners and all that. But it's still super compelling in its messiness. Right. Um, <laughs> I've enjoyed it. Yeah. But are you paying for it? No, I bought a new phone. Yep, exactly. (laughs) I bought a new phone. For Disney Plus, we're all getting it for free because we have a Verizon data, unlimited data plan or whatever bundles you're you're buying. So I think it's only a matter of time before we can really understand what everyday consumers are willing to pay for. Is there any thought that the big pipe providers, the Verizons and the cable companies and whatnot, will look to do some kind of re-aggregation of this stuff. Because as it turns out, this is not a revolutionary point, it is not sustainable to subscribe to 20 of these damn things, right? It's I mean, you're also not-, not sustainable for them to create very expensive content. Yeah, like dropping $120 million on a show. Yeah. Is anyone talking about that? I think we're going to see a lot of these smaller players, both in the content creation space, but also in the data space. I mean, there's no way they can all survive. We're already talking about when we look at the upfront model, which is probably also broken. I think we talk about that every year, too, but it somehow still writes $20 billion. (laughs) 
at some at, point at like 11% increases yeah, with it, a declining at, audience at the best <laughs> but i think when we look at some of these small cable networks like they cannot continue to sustain themselves i really believe this is the year that many of them will fall by the wayside because we're already talking about our strategies. This is the earliest we've started talking about it. And we're already talking about how do we only talk to these large media portfolios because they all have so much to offer. Yep. And why do we need, in certain categories, there are some advertisers here that will need some of those smaller players. But for the most part, we can get everything we need and more from these larger players. It's very similar to what we've seen this past year with smaller websites just getting bought up, coming together. Yeah. It's a similar thing. And I see in probably the next five years, these fragmented streaming video services who can't sustain the amount of money it takes to create amazing content will either sell off their IP or aggregate. What's the relationship, the tipping point between DirecTV and cable providers and streaming services? You know, at what point in time will, is it strictly an age game? Is it like, okay, Older audiences are going to continue to retain coax and everybody else is going to go to streaming? Or like, what does that sort of demographic breakdown look like? And what are the implications? Well, I mean, some of the streaming services are advertisers supported. So some of them that will launch will be advertiser supported mm -hmm. and they need the advertiser revenue to survive. But I think we're also seeing these media companies try to figure out how to change their revenue streams and monetize things that they never monetized before because we've seen things that just didn't work. Yep. Six seconds on TV. It was a shiny <laughs> object. It didn't work. And yep. you're seeing things like Quibi where it's a paid ad-supported model. So it's like how do we kind of, what's the best mix of how we make revenue? Right. But if I'm Verizon, what, what are my options? Right? I mean, I've got an installed cable base that I'm going to, ride to nothing just as I did an installed long distance dial one base 25 years ago, 20 years ago, you know, while I try to build up some kind of content and streaming revenue. Except if you paid attention to TV since Thanksgiving and all weekend, they bombarded us with 5G, first ones to 5G. Right. I don't know if you saw that ad. So a new ad supported TV. Oh, well, there you <laughs> in, in other words, a new. She's part of the problem. Yes. A I, new, I am the problem. <laughs> in other words, a new pipe. A new pipe. Yeah, that's right. We'll sell the new shiny pipe. I don't know. Makes my head spin. So anything else we want to cover in in the streaming wars before we move on? Because it is, it is an endlessly fascinating topic. And I do think, you know, the collision of Netflix with some of these large media companies is going to be fascinating to watch. The only thing I go back to experimentation, I think people are going to see, is the content worth it? If it is, yeah. maybe I'll just subscribe, unsubscribe. We're seeing a lot more of that with especially Game of Thrones ending this year. A lot of people unsubscribed from HBO just yes. after that ended. And then, you know, if they come back again with like a yeah. prequel or what have you, they may resubscribe. So I think people follow the content, not the provider. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So you sort of touched on this earlier about measurement. Where are we in the great conundrum that is ROI and measurement for brands? Some areas where in a good place, some we struggle. So I think there are some new opportunities in measurement that brands are going to have to start to take a chance on. We don't have all the answers. And I think one of the areas that we're finding ourselves really digging in right now is connected TV. Yeah. We know that lots of people are watching via connected TV. And that's something we talk about is that we know that people are still watching on their big TV screen, but the way they're accessing video is very different than it was not even five years ago, as much as two years ago. Mm -hmm. And consumers don't know the difference. They just know they're watching TV. 
I think we're starting to see some really interesting new measurement opportunities in that space to understand how we can drive incremental reach by finding that white space between people that are activating through very traditional means and people that are activating on connected devices. And these are new opportunities. And I think advertisers, you know, those real traditional advertisers are going to start to struggle because you're just going to have to sort of at some point take a bit of a leap with your agency. And I I think we're going to see agencies and advertisers have to partner more and more closely together to really take some chances. There isn't a lot of chance-taking especially with some of the larger brands. Is that a true statement? True. Yes. How do we nudge, guide, cajole, yell, offer a cookie to get (laughs) some of these brands to do some things that are a bit more daring? I think we just have to keep talking. And it's really just a matter of keep telling the story. I mean, the traditional means of buying media just are literally not going to exist. I mean, I think there are some networks that are starting to fall off a cliff Yep. So you know, if you have 65 years of year-over-year comps, maybe they're not as important as you think they are. But there are some clients that just can't, you can't break yeah. down the barrier. To me, the more successful <laughs> conversations I've had with clients are when we start with the audience yep. and then really help them understand how their audience is spending their time. Yep. And then they realize following that trail, in some cases, not with the more traditional means where we have, feel very comfortable with measurement. Yeah. And then they logically make the leap of, okay, if I want to win with this audience, I'm going to have to try Do things differently. Different. Yeah. And there may not be measurement that's comparable with what they've done before. Right. But, you know, 30 years, there wasn't great measurement either. Exactly. You exactly. Know? I mean, and in some of these spaces, there's still crappy measurement, right? I mean, we have this debate all the time, right? Even in the web. You know, as a CMO, I have this debate all the time around last click. We still have elements of marketing plans, not just in my role here, but in other places I've worked, where it's last click, last click attribution. And that is completely insane. But here we are, 2019. Oh, how are you measuring? Last click. I'd like to pivot the conversation in 2020 to what do we want to learn? Yeah, and what do we want to prove? what risk can we take? Right. One way or the other, what do we want to prove? Yeah. The interesting thing about it is I dabble in all of this, right? So I don't have hard and fast rules around, oh, it's that's too new, I won't do it. I'll do anything kind of new. I won't understand half of what it means. And, you know, my, my attempt at Snapchat continues to prove that time and time again. So my example is this. Last night I'm watching Disney Plus with my daughter, and then she had to go up and do homework. And I was like, all right, I'll watch Monday Night Football. My channel selector button doesn't work on the old TV, and so I have to get up and walk across the room and click it back over to the regular TV, and I just was like, how the hell with it? I'll go to the ESPN app and watch Monday Night Football on the ESPN app. So there I was, (laughs) simply too lazy to walk across the room to return to traditional TV. But by the way, we're okay with that now. Yeah. (laughs) We're actually okay so long as you're watching Monday Night Football. Yes, no, I, I understand. But it's just, it's funny in that my behavior there was not a conscious decision between Am I on DirecTV or am I streaming? It was just, uh, I can't be bothered. People don't care. It's the easiest way to get the it's content. Like, all right, I'll just yeah. hit this button. But we've changed the way we activate our brands because of that. Right? Oh, for sure. I know we touched on the election a little bit earlier. Is there anything around the election that is informative for brands? Meaning tactics, meaning change of strategy, meaning watch outs, mm-hmm. you know, what? Oh, so much. Okay, ready? So much. I'm Go. I'm unleash. Let- <laughs> so... One thing that's super interesting about politics and marketing is that they only have one shot. They're doing things riskier. They're doing new tactics. They're pushing the boundaries. We saw Obama use data in a really different way that then brands took note of and started implementing for having their own data and CRM strategies. Because only one brand wins. 
because only one brand wins exactly. And, and so does, they're willing it does, it to take matter. the There's shot. There's no like, oh, we're going to yell at you during planning cycle next year because it didn't work. That's not how it works. Exactly. I think brands can learn a lot just yep. looking at the different tactics. And already we're seeing different candidates take different media strategies and approaches to try to break through the clutter and to stand out. So you have people like Andrew Yang hosting AMAs across multiple platforms at the same time for 12 hours straight. You have Elizabeth Warren and her selfie strategy. So really trying to use earned media sure. in a in a smart way, collecting data at the same time. You have Trump who's spending a lot of money in social media still. Lots of pain. And, paid as well as using his own voice on those channels and Amplified he's looking by foreign interests and he's looking at okay i thought we weren't going to be unleashing there's just say, there's certain, see, I'm, look i'm the host I should have warned there's certain you. things <laughs> not the there's other certain way around. things i can't resist in theory i'm supposed to be the brand the cara brand advocate in this and i shouldn't do what i do but <laughs> i just okay. can't help myself you're in a safe space. Yeah. yeah, but thinking about how he's taking that even a step further in 2020, is he's talked about his ambition of creating his own social network so that he can have total control and also, again, that one-to-one conversation with his followers and supporters because he wants to own the conversation, own sure. the data. Bernie is much more about contextual alignment where we've you know heard he's been meeting with partners like Zephyr so that he can put an environmental message aligned with an environmental piece of content. Didn't he do a Twitch something? He also yeah. has been leaning more into new and emerging platforms like Twitch. Yep. Mixed reviews on how well that went, but he's trying and people are, again, experimenting in different ways in order to break through the clutter and Nothing create a connection lose. with people and gather data. We, we touched on this a couple pods ago, but I think it's important to revisit. If I'm a brand to whom Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Florida, New Mexico are important, what on earth should I be doing from, say, August 8th to November 15th? Should I bail? Should I, you know, buy a blimp? One is be aware. Yeah. If those are important markets to you, just be aware of the context and the spending situation you're going to be in and the noise and the clutter because that's going to be a reality. People are going to be shouting at each other. There's a lot of different kinds of elections going on, not just the presidential one. So you're going to be in a very cluttered environment. And then how knowing and acknowledging that you're in that environment, how do you actually plan to stand out? Mm -hmm. Or is this a time where you actually reinvest dollars in things like in-store? Okay, inventory will be... Scarce. Gone. Yeah. We're getting used to that, though. That's become a yes but in both local and national forums, right. which is a problem because we're going to lose the even the local avails, which has been a very creative way to, to get, get into it. these markets. I think you're right. I think we're going to be bombarded with messaging. We get asked all the time, when you talk to your clients, do you tell them to stay in? Do you tell them to go out? Yeah. Do you tell them to create new messaging? So I think we're going to see from brands, we'll see a lot of feel-good messaging, and that will be their way of sort of breaking mm. out. But whether a brand plays in news, per se, is up to each brand. There's not an agency that can guide that thinking. As a brand, you have to make a very clear-cut decision. So you will either play with these news partners, or you will just completely separate from that space. I happen to work on a brand that will completely separate from the space. Sure. And I think we're seeing more and more of that. Do you worry that the whole medium, and I'm really talking about radio and TV, gets fried? Basically, you're torching the entire channel for a period of time. I think if you're really creative, you can find a way to stick out. Mm. And I don't necessarily think it's 
doing a feel-good, positive message to stand out from the clutter. I think you can go in and actually be a little bit more competitive than you normally would be and, and lean into the sentiment. Or you could go super touchy-feely fun, but it's going to be crowded. And so if you're going to go and play in that space, you have to have a message that makes sense and that will either like go in line with that competitive nature of the election or kind of go in the opposite direction. Is there any investment advice right now that brands should be thinking about to get themselves ready or more in the right spot? To get ready for it is going to be purchasing inventory earlier than we ever have before. And that time period leads to a lot of issues for brands because of where it sits. It sits in a back-to-school period. It sits in a pretty critical moment. And it's typically scarce inventory at that time of year. So I think the earlier we can start building out our strategies, the more important it's going to become. All right, let's move it along real quickly. Let's write the end-of-year headline for 2019. It was the year of? I'm going to go with personalization. Hmm. Why? I think all we talked about, every vendor, and this is internal and external, everything we talked about was how do we get closer and closer to that consumer while managing content at the same time. Hmm. To that point, I would say people-based marketing. Hmm. 2020 will be the year of? I have access. Hmm. People will be demanding access to everything, be it streaming content, be it politicians, be it influencers, creator culture. We're going to be talking about in the media landscape quite a bit. And it's this element of people want to be behind the scenes. They want to feel like they're not being lied to and they want to have that on-demand nature that now, you know, the little devices in our phones allow us that kind of access. So I think that that will be the trend across all platforms. Mm. I was in a similar place. I went with content. There's never an ability to turn any screen on and say, I just can't find anything to watch. Yeah, those days are gone. I think so. And I don't know if that's progress sometimes, I got to tell you. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, anything else that we didn't cover in the highlights that you want to point out here before we jump into a rapid fire round on a few things? The one thing that I think will be important in the 2020 landscape as well is the importance of gaming. I think people want that element of escapism with everything going on next year. So gaming is definitely one way that people can like disconnect a little bit and go into a world of fantasy. So I think brands should be thinking through their their gaming strategies and how they can use that to their advantage. Okay. So here's what I want to do. This is a little different. We haven't done this before. We're going to take some big platforms and topics, and we're going to try to do a lightning round around the platforms and topics. So as close as we can get to like one word or one sentence answers, you know, on what we expect out of them next year. Okay? All right, AI. B2B. You're so good at this already. Do you want to add anything to that? No, it's just home devices. Okay. TikTok. Elections. Mashup. <laughs> Sustainability. <laughs> you seem a little skeptical I'm on skeptical TikTok. on it. I don't, I don't know. I see it as another Vine. Well, I mean, Lots Vine did have a moment, disagree. didn't it? Vine did have a moment. It did. Oh, I loved Vine. Netflix. Struggle. I don't disagree. Amazon. Commerce dominance. Sports. I think they're going to start playing bigger in sports. Apple. Hardware. <laughs> <laughs> Given my so, the meeting I just came so, from. <laughs> so not not Jennifer Aniston. No. Okay. Slowed growth. Interesting. Although I had a hell of a quarter. Yep. Okay. Hulu. Slight boost from Disney. 
I think a question of how they'll fit into the portfolio. Yeah, like where are they? Samsung. No comment. Boy, that if you if you're the Samsung folks, get excited. <laughs> I'm a fan. You're a fan. Okay, so you're you're net positive. <laughs> I right. am net positive. Disney Plus. Baby Yoda. Okay. Do you have well, anything that, you want to add? No, to that? you got me on that. Okay. It's a, okay. If we look five years out, give me one bold prediction. I would say we're going to look at this time where we carried around these bricks in our hands all day as an archaic time. <laughs> the phone? Yeah. Or the device? Our phones. I don't think there's going to – these phones are not going to exist. I think everything will be kind of embedded or wearable or much more of a natural form of technology integration with our actual person. I don't think in five years because I can't read an I can't read an article on this. But <laughs> I think the way we view content, we will look back sure. just the way we did. Although you said you had to get up and change the channel, yeah. just the way we had to get yeah. up and change the channel, it's going to be a completely different experience. I think that's right. Look, anywhere you can get a font big enough these days. That's true. I'm on board. <laughs> I'm on board. All it's right, just quit. gonna project into your eyes, oh. you guys. Have just you heard saying. of like trees and mountains? Like this, I, yeah, do you work, I mean, I don't want to sound like a fifty-year-old gr- guy. I, I agree, but also oh, having yeah. spent all last week with three teens and having this device always in their hand, it's a physical barrier. So I think there could be some potential to eliminating the device. I just worry to get people talking to each other again. Yeah, for the love it's, of God. Yeah. I mean, Thanksgiving was revealing on that front, right? We had sort of, we, the country, not we, my house, had three things going on. People that couldn't talk to each other because of their deep divisions politically. People that wouldn't talk to each other because they were logged into some kind of device situation. And then people that, you know, all they could do was sort of lament the passing of the good old days. I I think that was Thanksgiving 2019, folks. I hope you all enjoyed it. So on that uplifting note, let's do a quick (laughs) lightning round. Recent piece of content that you have consumed could be anything, Netflix, special, movie, book, podcast. Uh, Modern Love. Modern Love? If you have not watched it, you should. Is that? Yes. It's so close to real life. Is that Amazon or HBO? Tina Fey on Amazon. It's on Amazon, okay. Yeah, it's fabulous. A daily podcast where they talked about the song choice of political candidates <laughs> in their rallies and what it means. Was that the daily? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't listened really to good. it yet, but I will on the way home. Yeah. Favorite social media platform. We've done this before, but has, has anything crept into the top couple or is it still the usual suspects? I go back to Twitter, honestly, with yeah. the elections and the Olympics next year, everything going on. It's where I go for news, yep. breaking news. So I think Twitter will have a little bit of resurgence next year because of that. I have two teenagers. I don't like anything about social media. <laughs> I have to use it because of work, but yeah. Amen to that. I think it is going to be the downfall of our society. <laughs> yeah, Twitter for me is it's the thing. Last question of the lightning round. The most important album or artist that you've listened to recently, or song, but you no, know, nobody really listens to albums anymore. I love Bing Crosby Holiday album. Oh, yes. It brings me back to like, my youth, being a kid in Michigan, living on the farm with like my grandparents around and it's snowing outside. It just like teleports me back to like a very simple time. I'm going to go with a, not an artist or a song, but just in the last few years, I've trended more towards country. Ah. And I think I love the storytelling. Mm. It's like every, almost every song just has a message in it. Yeah, and for I love sure. that. You know, it's funny. I have this theory, and since this pod exists, at least partially for me to expose my theories, 
that if you sort of grew up around rock and roll or guitar-driven rock, like that is a category that's almost completely dead at this yeah. point and that it has been subsumed or co-opted kind of by country. If you like guitar-driven music, yeah, like Springsteen, like the only place to really be is country music these mm -hmm. days. So I'm, I'm with you on that front. So I can't thank you guys enough. You were absolutely fantastic. You promised to come back? Sure. Yeah. It was a little lukewarm, but maybe I can convince you. <laughs> yes. All righty. Now we're, now we're cooking with guests. Thanks so much. You've survived another episode of The Human Element. Remember, you can find us anywhere you find your pods. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid to give us a subscribe or a like or a comment or any other general frivolity that a you want to share. A tweet. Any of these things we'll accept. And remember, it's free to subscribe through the end of the year. Next year is going to be $510 a month. And then you'll get a free bag. That, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So we'll be back out to you real soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. <laughs>